morning, everyone. Hi, my name is Guy Hammond. I am a Canadian evangelist and the executive director of Strength and Weakness Ministries. Thank you so much for having me uh, do the workshop for your church. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, that time together with you. Uh, I trust that uh, it will be a blessing to all of you. And thank you for inviting me to uh, speak this morning. I certainly appreciate that as well. I, I want to start today actually by telling you a story. There's an ancient legend about a Persian king who was discouraged, dejected, and sad. He called for his chief advisors, his wise men, and his court wizards, and charged them to invent a motto that would ease his pain during times of difficulty. He imposed three conditions relative to the wording of this motto. Number one, not only did it have to encourage him in times of trouble, but number two, the sentiment also had to be appropriate to keep him humble and grateful during times of prosperity and happiness. And thirdly, the motto had to be concise enough to be engraved on a ring which he intended to always wear on his middle finger. So the wise men, they all got together and they thought and they thought, but they just couldn't come up with such a motto. Finally, and unexpectedly, the king's daughter presented him with a ring bearing these magic words. Even this shall pass away. In other words, nothing lasts forever. Not sorrow, not fame, not fortune or pain. Nothing lasts forever. And if it's true that all good things must come to an end, then it also must be true that all bad things come to an end. Now, you know, bad times problems and difficulties, crisis, oh my goodness, they surround us, don't they? In fact, I would think to say that life is simply made up of trying to find solutions to problems. As soon as one problem is solved, another one appears. I don't think there's ever been a time ever in my life when I've been able to look at all that's going on in my life and think, I have no problems. There's nothing to solve. Everything is going fantastic. Everything is just completely perfect. But you know, troubles come in different forms and in different measures, don't they? More month than money, unemployment, difficulties in relationships, that aching back, that broken down car, that visa bill whose amount due never seems to decrease, uh, when we're lonely and isolated, when we're filled with guilt or shame, or people that we trusted disappoint us, or when we disappoint ourselves, or when we feel maybe like, the church has let us down. Or when we can't seem to move those mountains we've been praying over, no matter how hard we pray. You know, these are challenges that everyone is familiar with from one degree to another. But then there are those other times in life when things get really serious and we face a life-altering crisis like a critical illness in yourself or someone that you love, bankruptcy, separation, and chronic pain, addiction, depression, the death of a loved one. You know, when crises like these or others enter your world, either in your life or in somebody that you love, I think it's helpful for us to remember that God has designed it so that we can recover 
that even in these difficult times, whatever the crisis is, that even this shall pass away. You know, in the Bible, everywhere it teaches actually of this same truth. In the book of Job, one of his so-called friends was a man by the name of Zophar. Now, as you read through the book of Job, he's a guy who didn't really ever seem to have too much good to say. doesn't seem like the brightest uh, light in the harbor. However, he did utter one prophetic truth in Job's life. In Job chapter 11, verse 16. Of course, you remember the story of Job. I mean, the poor man uh, had his entire family wiped out. He had these boils all over his body that he was having to scrape off with pottery. I mean, he lost everything, right? This guy was in, in severe trouble. If you want to talk about crisis, read the book of Job. So his friend Zophar comes along and he utters, as I said, this one truth in Job 11, verse 16. He says simply, quote, you will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as water's gone by. In other words, Job, even this shall pass away. You know, have you ever committed a sin so grievous that you thought that you would never be able to recover? Well, David had uh, that aching feeling. You know, after David had committed uh, uh, adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband murdered on the front lines, the Lord said this regarding the punishment that David would receive. He simply said there, I will humble David's descendants because of this, but not forever. In other words, even this shall pass away. Regarding, in fact, how God treats all of us after a time of rebellion and sin, it says in Psalm 30, verse 5, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. In other words, even this shall pass away. So it's a biblical truth that nothing in this world, no problem, no trouble, or crisis lasts forever. Even this shall pass away. You know, I believe this is a gift from God and it needs to encourage us when we're in the middle of a crisis or some kind of trouble in our lives. It means that no adversity, no trial, no temptation, no problem, no crisis is permanent. It means that all suffering is only temporary. Well, yeah, well, guy, um, what about physical pain? Because that's a different kind of pain. Yeah, I know. You ever had a migraine that just won't seem to go away? It did. Ever had a broken bone, twisted ankle, a sty in your eye, that bad toothache, or some surgery that you thought you'd never heal from? You did. You know, and at times when nothing seems to help, not the power of positive thinking, not drugs, not anything, at such times God wants to remind you that no physical pain lasts forever. Job's discomfort was only temporary. The boils did eventually leave him. I mean, even Christ's agony on the cross had an end to it. Mercifully, it lasted only six hours. Okay, well, guy, what about anxiety? Yeah. Boy, does that ever hit home in our world today? You know, watching the news, that can cause a lot of anxiety, can't it? Yet I can tell you that whatever the world is upset about today, someday in the future, it will be forgotten. 
Events that once caused the world tremendous anxiety in years past are long gone and almost forgotten. Well, of course, it would be ridiculous for me not to mention the obvious that we live in a world of COVID. Of course, we pray for people's safety. But one day, sooner or later, this current situation, it will be talked about in the past tense. I mean, just like the H1N1 pandemic of 2009, the SARS outbreak in 2003, the H3N2 pandemic of 1968, or the H2N2 pandemic of 1955, or the H1N1 pandemic of 1918. No disrespect intended, of course, for those who have suffered or lost loved ones, but eventually this world does move on. I mean, even 9-11, the tragedy that took place in 2001 in New York City and in Washington, D.C., in that field, also in Pennsylvania. Listen, that's now decades behind us. And it's actually taught about in school now as an historical event. So what do you have anxiety over today? Well, there's the obvious of what we're currently experiencing in our world, but there's terrorism, there's the economy, There's the high cost of living, or maybe you're in the midst of a really difficult relationship. Listen, God wants you to know, even this will pass away. Events and people that once caused the world tremendous anxiety in years past are long gone. Uh, Let me use uh, the Vietnam War as our example. You know, there was a period of time in world history, the 1960s and early 1970s, when this completely dominated the world news. And rightly so. Uh, What a tragic event that was for those who lived in Southeast Asia and for the brave military people of the American military and even the Canadian military uh, who participated in the Vietnam War. Uh, But you know what? That is a period of time now that has gone past. And if we were to talk about Vietnam uh, today, instead of thinking about it as a war-torn place, many people of another generation would think of it as a place to go for a nice vacation, to... uh, Uh, you know, sit on its sandy beaches and sunbathe. So it's just an example of how, uh, as time goes on, uh, it really is a case that even this shall pass away. Well, God, what about temptation? Yeah, that's another one, isn't it? You know, even here, God promises relief. I mean, no temptation lasts forever. Uh, There was a time in Jesus' life when he was tempted by the devil himself. Time and time again, Satan tried his best to get Jesus to sin. But time and time again, Jesus held on to righteousness and refused to give in. In Luke chapter 4, verse 13, it says, When the devil had finished all his tempting, I mean, consider that word for, uh, uh, for just a second, all the tempting of Satan. Imagine all the different things that he did, both of what we have recorded in Scripture, but what must have happened behind the scenes that we uh, don't actually have a view of. I mean, what does it mean to be tempted by the devil himself when he does all of his tempting? The devil had finished all of his tempting. He left Jesus until a more opportune time. I love that. You see, because even for Jesus, the temptations eventually stopped. You know, not only will God let you be tempted, not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Uh, Not only will he let you be able to handle it. Not only will he always give you a way out. But no temptation lasts forever. You know... You don't have to say those nasty and hurtful things to your wife or husband. Just, just hold on. Keep your mouth quiet. 
The temptation will leave. You can. You, you feel like, I just can't control my temper with my children. Yes, you can. You don't have to have that toothpaste out of the tube moment where you will say something to your kids that will be crushing that they may remember for years. You can control yourself. No temptation lasts forever. No, but you see, I, I just can't control my emotions. Yes, you can. No, but you see, I just found out this little piece of news. It's such a great little tidbit. And I just can't wait to get on the phone or to text somebody and tell them, even though you know that it's private information. And for you to do this, it would be gossip. I just got to get on there and do that. No, you don't. The temptation will eventually leave. Oh, no, I just have to look at this website. I mean, I want to look at the website it's so bad. I can't control myself. Yes, you can. No, God, listen, uh, you don't understand that the, the power that sexual impurity has over me, and I, 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 just, I just can't stop giving in to fantasy. And yes, yes, you can. No temptation lasts forever. Just slow down, calm yourself in a few minutes. The temptation will be gone. It's true. It may come back again, but you can handle it. One temptation at a time. You know, whenever you're facing the enticement of sin, just remember, if you just wait a few minutes, if you pause just long enough, even this shall pass away. What about sorrow? Yeah. That's a different kind of pain, isn't it? Sometimes more hurtful than any physical suffering that we may endure. Sometimes we can go through a grief that is so intense it makes us physically ill. Ever been there? When you couldn't eat, you couldn't sleep, you couldn't face people because you were so emotionally disoriented. I've been there. You know, uh, my wife, Kathy, uh, we were married for 28 years. Just a beautiful, wonderful woman. And uh, in our 27th year of marriage, she was diagnosed with stage four brain cancer and told that she only had eight to 12 months to live. And, uh, you know, if there's anything that um, I learned from going through that experience with my wife, who did indeed pass away about a year later, it's that experiencing crisis and problems in our lives is no excuse to stop living out our Christian faith. <laughs> Kathy really taught me that. You know, she was a very active and fit woman. She loved, you know, hiking and and swimming constantly, and she was very, you know, she ate healthy. I mean, I was the potato, couch potatoes sitting there, you know, eating Doritos every night, but my wife was the healthy one. And, uh, you know, for her to be, uh, you know, inflicted with this disease and told at the age of 55 that she was about to die with four kids and a husband, uh, obviously it was devastating, but Kathy's attitude always was, you know what, why not me? I mean, I'm going to die someday anyway. That's not news. I'm just going to go a little bit sooner than I thought. And, you know, she was just so determined uh, to live out her final months with incredible faith and courage and really try to fit in as much life as possible. And as I watched Kathy live that final year, I would say that one thing she taught me more than anything is that there is no circumstance so dire, no problem so great, no difficulty so challenging that it should give you and I an excuse to stop living out our Christian faith. You know, uh, uh, we live in uh, Toronto, Canada, and 
there was going to be a, uh, a congregational service. Of course, the Toronto Church is, is a large congregation and has satellite ministries across uh, the greater Toronto area. But a few times a year when they were able, uh, they would have what was called a congregational service where all the different uh, satellite uh, groups would all come together for one large church service. Well, because they were rare, uh, Kathy was determined to go. By this time, she was about six months into her illness. Uh, she was now confined to a wheelchair uh, and really experiencing a lot of weakness. And she was so wanting to go to this event. And of course, I was like, honey, we don't need to go to that. Like, seriously, you're, you're, you're so sick and it's a big deal, the wheelchair and everything else. And she's like, I want to go. You know, she was so determined. I was like, okay, we'll go to this thing. So I we went to the church service. We had a wonderful time. It was great seeing our friends and so many people loved up on Kathy. It was great. On our way driving home from that event, we were driving down a highway to get home and we were going 120 kilometers an hour. And uh, while we were driving uh, down this highway, all of a sudden Kathy uh, broke into a seizure and she started uh, shaking uncontrollably and uh, foaming at the mouth. My son Greg was in the back seat and he was crying and screaming. And so I thought, well, I should speed up and I should get to a hospital. But then I thought, I'm already going, you know, 120 kilometers an hour. I can't, don't want to go faster than this. And this is not just going to be safe. So I decided to pull off on the side of the highway. And uh, of course, we dialed 911. Uh, while we were waiting for the ambulance to come, Kathy, of course, continued to have her seizures. And I just uh, held her and tried to tell her how much I loved her. And eventually the ambulance arrived. Of course, the uh, ambulance attendants took her from our vehicle and put her in the back of the ambulance and told us to follow them to the local hospital. When we got to the hospital, um, the seizures had, had ceased and she was now lying on a gurney in the emergency ward waiting to see a physician. And uh, as we were standing there um, uh, talking, the ambulance attendant who had been with Kathy in the back of the ambulance came up to say goodbye. And he said, Mrs. Hammond, um, just wanted to say goodbye. Me and my uh, ambulance partner are leaving now. We're going to leave you You're in good hands. But I just thought I'd come up and tell you that I will never forget what you said to me in the back of that ambulance. That really meant something to me. So thank you. And then he said his goodbyes and left. So I looked at Kathy and I was like, what, what did you say to that guy in the back of the ambulance? And she said, well, I just told him that um, I was okay uh, having these seizures. Uh, I'm dying of brain cancer. And uh, I told him that I was not afraid because I'm a Christian. I love God. And I know that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven forever. And then I told him that he should find his way to church and uh, study the Bible because when it comes his time to go, he should also be as ready as I am. I was so convicted. I mean, it had been months since I had shared my faith with anyone, months since I had invited anyone to church. And here was my dying wife in the back of an ambulance in between seizures, you know, sharing her faith and inviting this guy to church. I mean, that's just who Kathy was. She was determined she wasn't going to allow this crisis in her life to be something that was going to dictate to her how she was going to live out her Christian life. Uh, she really did try to fit in as much life as possible. Uh, you know, that same uh, month, it was in January. Of course, again, I live in Canada. 
couple hours north of Toronto, and I live uh, not too far from a lake. Well, in the part of Canada that I live in, of course, everything freezes over. So anyway, uh, Kathy, of course, is in a wheelchair and not able to really get around. And, um, but my son, uh, my son Wyatt, loves to play hockey. And so one day, he called up to me. I was in my office working, and he said, hey, Dad. He's like, yeah. He goes, I'm going down to the lake to play hockey. I was like, oh, okay, son, have a good time. Okay, bye. But a minute later, he yells back up, hey, Dad. Yeah. Um, Mom wants to go down to the lake and skate too. <sighs> Tell her no. Uh, she's in a wheelchair and she has brain cancer. I'm not taking her out into minus 30 degree weather out onto a lake. No. Okay. I thought the matter was solved. But a minute later, Wyatt comes back and he says, hey, Dad. Yeah, what? You better get down here. <laughs> Mom's making me put her coat on. I went downstairs, I was like, what are you doing? She goes, well, I want to go skating. I'm like, honey, you're in a wheelchair. It's minus 30 out. I'm not going to take you onto a wheelchair out onto the middle of a frozen lake with a brain tumor. Like, we're not doing it. And she was so insistent. She was like, come on, let's go. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this woman's going to kill me. Well, we loaded up the wheelchair into the back of the pickup truck. We drove out onto the lake, you know, got her out there. And uh, my son, Wyatt, pushed her around. Uh, in the wheelchair out on this frozen lake. She had her arms out. She was like, you know, just loving it. She was experiencing life. Kind of the same thing happened several months later. Same lake. Uh, the doctor had come in. It was now summer. And uh, he said, hey, listen, I just want you to know that this is it. Uh, I don't think she has more than a week or so to live. So I went in and I uh, said, honey, is there anything you want to do before you die? Uh, by then, Kathy was uh, paralyzed, except for some movement in one arm, and blind. She could speak, but only barely. So I went up to her bedside and put my ear close to her mouth, and I said, honey, is there anything you want before you die? And she whispered, I want to go swimming. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I didn't have the heart to tell her. I mean, obviously, we're not going to go swimming. She hadn't been out of this bed now in months. She's paralyzed and blind. We're not going swimming. So I went out into the hall and I grabbed the doctor and I said, can you be the bearer of bad news? Like, her final wish is to go swimming. And the doctor uh, looked at me and he said, well, why can't she? I said, well, isn't it obvious? And uh, the doctor said, well, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> I thought, you know, actually, that's a good point. So we hired an, a six-man ambulance crew and we drove her out to that same lake where only six months earlier she had gone skating in a wheelchair, and uh, the ambulance crew was kind enough to actually carry her right into the water and hold on to her, uh, where she was able, for the last time, uh, to go swimming. You see, for Kathy, dying of a brain tumor was no excuse for her to stop living out her Christian faith. In fact, she used it as uh, this ability now to be able to be an example to many people. Uh, the term I like using right now is, you know, she used her mess to bless. 
Don't steal that. I'm going to use that for my next book. But listen, we've got these challenges. We've got these difficulties. Some of them are very severe. I get it. I understand. But God wants us to use our mess to bless. I, I know your problems are real. I know your pain is severe. I know life is difficult and challenging for you. But don't ever use these realities as excuses to stop honoring Jesus with your life. No. In fact, use them as a catalyst to go and do something great for God. Three or four months before Kathy died, we decided to interview her. And... Um, you know, for the sake of my ministry and for our supporters who were very interested in how she was doing. And uh, so we did an interview with her and asked her about um, her dying and how she felt about it. And what I'd like to do is just share uh, just a very brief portion of that interview. Of course, Kathy can't be with us here in person, but due to the marvels of modern technology, we can hear what Kathy was thinking only months before death. And uh, I'd like to share with that share that with you right now. What would you say that you'd like your children to, to think of you um, as they're going through this time of um, watching their lives unfold before them? What would you say you'd want them to to take away from your life and your legacy. Mm, that's great. Yeah, I thought a lot about that actually. And I, I mean, I obviously want them to love God. Um, I want them to want to be with God. And, and that is what I think every day to the point where I think it's made them actually think I'd rather be with God than with you. <laughs> and they voiced that. <laughs> so I had to, have to be careful because right. I do want to be with God. It is though. It's, it's a yeah. real pull. Like it's a real, you know, we're, we all know we're going to die. We all know we're going to face that. We all know if we're Christians, we're going to get to go and spend time with God. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting to think about. I mean, he promises he's got this place prepared for us, and I don't know what that's going to look like, but I want my kids to think, that's a place I want to be. I can't wait to get there. But yeah, I want my kids to know that the time God gave me here on earth, I used well and made good choices with that. And poured myself out if if I could be so bold as to you know say that mm-hmm. but um, but that my desire truly was to be with God <laughs> Wow we can see honey. Wow. Go, honey. It's like you're in the Olympics. Seriously, eh? <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
You are definitely getting all tens for me, honey. Wow. Amazing. Oh, yes. There you go. Can you do a trolley? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Oh, my gosh, honey. Doing, hun? Yeah, good. All right. Hi, honey. You're looking great, hun. You okay? You see, even in crisis, you can still share your faith. You can still help others. You can still be kind. You can still forgive. You can still be positive in your outlook in life. You can still serve your community. You can still live out your Christian faith. In fact, if there was ever a time to let your light shine to a lost and dying world, a world that is terrified in crisis, that is out of control in a time of crisis. This is when we as Christians who are also in crisis need to show that we are not of this world. So what's your problem today? Financial insecurity, perhaps? Even this shall pass away. Unhappy romance, perhaps? <laughs> Even this shall pass away. A broken home, perhaps. Unemployment. Maybe you're in school fearing that you'll never graduate. Or are you lonely this morning? Are you grieving the passing of a loved one? Even this shall pass away. Listen, folks. All of life is fleeting. Remember this. Only heaven is lasting. Only love lasts forever.
Only God is from everlasting to everlasting. Only His Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, is without end. And it is in these that the Christian pins his hopes and aspirations because these divine things shall never pass away. Meanwhile, this side of the grave, nothing lasts forever, not your physical pain or emotional pain, your anxieties, your temptations, and even terminal illnesses. Like the ancient Persian king who needed daily reminders, we too need to keep reminding ourselves amid our crisis that even this shall pass away. With God's thoughts in mind, let's pray and take communion together. Father, we thank you so much for this chance to commune with you. We thank you for God and the work that you've done in his life and through his ministry. And God, we're thankful that we can hear the message today. But God, we're so grateful that Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the center of our lives and what he's done personally, what he's done collectively for all of us in the church. God, we are so grateful. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for the resurrection. God, that we too can resurrect from our lives. And God, that also we too can live a life uh, according to your will. And God, we thank you for the love that you've lavished upon us. May we too live a life of love and response. In Jesus' name, amen.